So is this as good as it gets? Let's get started. And they are going to win! Pierre Gasly wins the Italian Grand Prix! Three cars going wheel to wheel as Perez is caught by Charles Leclerc and his three cars gone off! It's a DNF for MAX! The World Championship record is equaled. Lewis Hamilton, seven-time champion of the world! Tom, do you want to explain why we had a little bit of a little bit of a break last week? Yes, yes, I, I think I'll probably I'm probably the best person to try and explain this. Um, so we were all scheduled to have a normal uh, weekly episode of F1 in Review. However, um, for the first time in my life, for no apparent reason, I uh, I fainted and went to hospital, and that was that. So um, so yes, you're feeling better now, though. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm fine. There's no underlying issues. Uh, they're not really too sure why it happened. Absolutely fine now, but um, that's the reason we didn't have an episode last week. So um, apologies for us having to do two races in one sort of 40-minute chunk. So um, if you want to blame anyone uh, for that one, here I am. We're just glad to have you back, Tom. You worried us there for a it's moment. It's glad to be back. Yeah. <laughs> I'd also like to mention it was... that it is news to me that we're covering two races, but I'm here for it. Let's do it. Got a lot to fit in. <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, I'm so okay, excited. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh. Um, um, so, yeah, it's, I suppose the question is, how do we try and start this out? Do we, do we say, well done to Lewis Hamilton? Because let's be clear, two remarkable races from him, two wins, starting in pole position in Spain, converted that... Uh, quite comfortably starting in second converted that one into a another race win he's currently first in the drivers championship um you've got to say it's been 10 out of 10 for team lewis so far i was talking to my mum about this i I say this a lot listeners i i have conversations with my parents and then relay them on this podcast i was talking to my mum and we were saying oh look but like it's lewis is winning and stuff again but i would say i would for the past sort of few years it's never quite been in this same close very very competitive manner that he's winning now so i actually don't mind quite as much as i used to that he's winning pretty much constantly because we're getting some really exciting racing content but yeah you're absolutely right uh, he's shown time and time again why he's you know why he's so successful and he and not just him but his team as well in spain was a great demonstration of strategy and the management by the entire mercedes team and and so it makes it just proves to us why they're multiple time world champions and and yeah congrats to them for the past couple of weeks but at least we're we're seeing some really competitive racing yeah i i agree actually and i think there's a bit of pessimism floating around social media at the moment uh, uh well <laughs> perhaps us too um i'd <laughs> like to welcome back ham verbot uh, which <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good to have it back i thought thought for a brief moment that maybe we'd 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 uh lose that one for a little bit but Yes, Hamilton, Verstappen, Bottas, one, two, and three. It's interesting to have it back. Um, do I think it's here to stay, though? I, I, I couldn't say. And I think perhaps we, we shouldn't get hung up too much in the fact that it ended up like that. Because the, the especially on, on Sunday, just gone, so the second race we'll have to talk about in this podcast, it, the, the 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 road to get to that point was one full of drama and it it was it was definitely Verstappen versus Hamilton 
Mercedes strategy versus Red Bull strategy. And mm. I think people need to slow down a bit when they criticise Red Bull for what they did because it we can only know that it didn't work this time um, in, in terms of their what they ended up doing. We know that it didn't work, that they didn't box uh, Verstappen. If they had pitted Verstappen, he would have come out behind Bottas and then Bottas could have held him up, which wouldn't have been good either. So it kind of feels like Red Bull was doomed if they did, doomed if they didn't. And this was a beautiful power play by Mercedes. By having two drivers in up there, they could use one of them to hold the other driver back. And this is when Red Bull needed Perez to be in the position to hold back Hamilton. But obviously he wasn't. So mm. I think there's more to this than just Hamilton. Oh, look, here he goes. Oh, he's winning again. Well, actually, I think it was it was more complicated than that. Portugal, I thought, was a was a bit boring towards the end. The first first few minutes, the first ten laps or so, was was actually quite interesting. But unfortunately, it did revert back to the Hamilton steaming ahead and and, and winning. So. Yeah, I, th- I was a bit disappointed by Portimao, but we thought the Red Bulls might struggle there. It was very windy. It's not very good for cars with a high rake because of the conditions there. So this one just didn't favour um, Red Bull for, for you know there and in Portimao. And then I thought perhaps Verstappen might win uh, in in this last race, but apparently not. So, yeah. Yeah, I think really, like, you've got to commend Team Lewis. I don't want to say Team Mercedes, because I think there's been a few uh, errors, um, thanks to Bottas and his side of the garage, um, especially in terms of pit stops, thinking back to Portugal. But, um, yeah, Team Hamilton, not only have they done so well in terms of qualifying, but when it comes to converting um, that potential, they've always seemed to have been there. You know, the pit stops have always been sub three seconds. They always seem to have sort of taken control of the narrative. I I say that in terms of the strategy at Spain, for example. I thought that um, while it was always going to be advantage uh, Hamilton because he qualified in first, um, he sort of seized the narrative, as I say, and decided, okay, we're going to go for a a a two-stop strategy, which, thinking back at it and with hindsight in mind, was a rather clever move to do, considering Spain is well known for its high degradation. Um, compared to to Portugal, um, and when you look as well, you sort of the, the overtake he did on Bottas as well. Uh, when it came to Portugal, of course, there was you know an argument to be made that Bottas placed his car very poorly and almost made it more difficult for himself to defend. But Hamilton had to be there; he had to go and pounce on the mistakes of Bottas and um, Verstappen, of course. Uh, I believe it was lap eleven when he was making all sorts of mistakes after he overtook Hamilton and. In many ways, I I subscribe to the view that I'm seeing more frequently that Hamilton is beating a younger version of himself uh, insofar that um, Verstappen, there's no doubt Verstappen is very talented. Um, He has the second best, if not the best car, but he is occasionally making mistakes which cost him uh, and there's mistakes from the team as well. So discount the pit strategy um, to start with. Looking back at Portugal... um, Verstappen was going to qualify uh, in pole position, but exceeded track limits. I know there's discussions about that. Um, Exceeded track limits again when he was on course to get the fastest lap as well, which, yeah, okay, sure, it's only a point, but it's a point you want. Uh, And the mistakes which I've spoken about earlier, um, which result in Hamilton getting a good sort of 
uh, run on him, overtaking him, and then accelerating uh, off into the distance and winning convincingly. So it seems to me like Verstappen's putting up a good fight, but Hamilton's experience for me is just winning out, really. Well, you, you spoke there for just a moment on Bottas not placing his car very well. And uh, yes. we're referring to the team orders, I think, when Bottas was told, don't hold Hamilton up too much. And Bottas, well, he, he didn't let Hamilton through at all. And I think I think that's really nice to see, actually, because afterwards Bottas was asked about it, said, you know, why didn't you just leave let your teammate through? And he said, well, I'm, I'm in my own race here. And if I start letting my teammate through and slowing down, I'll be at risk for Charles Leclerc behind me, who, and I wanted to try and go for fastest lap. So mm. I think it's important to understand that I think Bottas is saying this time, I, th- I know my seat is under jeopardy. This is it. This is my race. If Hamilton wants to get past me, he's going to get past me through skill, not because James or I, I can't actually remember his, um, his uh, engineer, but <laughs> that's, that's why I use James, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, who is actually a Mercedes person. Um, yeah. He's a serious one. He, Bottas is James. Oh, serious time. Um, anyway, <laughs> so, you know, just because whoever comes onto the radio and tells him to get out of the way, he's not going to do it. And uh, I, I commend him for that. Even if it did slow, um, even if it did slow Hamilton up by 0.4 a second. And uh, as a result, our, one of our tweets aged like mm, milk. Um, <laughs> so, well, will it slow Hamilton down? No, it won't. Anyway, so, <laughs> yeah, I... I uh, I th- I th- I thought that was really nice to see in in Spain, and it, it just made Spain much more interesting as well. It was really nice to see Spain actually throw up a, an interesting race. Yeah. Perhaps this this is solidifying our thoughts from last season of F1 in Review when Barcelona came up, where we said we don't think testing should happen at Barcelona because it make means the teams now to set up that car perfectly, and perhaps this was one of the the consequences of that we had a much more interesting mm. race different lines mm-hmm. and, and and whatnot and people didn't know how tire degradation was going to affect them did mercedes know for example that the medium tire would be fantastic for them i don't think they did mm. and just to clear up confusion i was referring to portugal regarding the, the car placement but yes i will oh. definitely agree <laughs> so far that um that they're definitely getting onto Bottas a lot more you know Toto saying, "Come on, Valtteri, speed up and don't hold Hamilton up." It's um, it's getting very naggy and somewhat toxic, really. And I, I kind of wonder, you know, we saw Bottas defy orders, um, if you will, in Spain. But you know, if I was in that scenario and I was being told incessantly, you know, make way for your teammate, essentially, or you know, make sure we serve the greater good, Lewis Hamilton, I'd be a bit peeved off. So you know, is this going to be? The beginning of quite a, I don't know, I don't want to say toxic, but not so harmonious relationship between Bottas and Team Merck. I don't know, but I don't, carry on. Sorry. I don't feel personally, though, like it's that new. Like, I feel like he's always been in the situation. Always, is, okay, maybe not always, but like for a very long time, it's been the sense where we all kind of know, everyone knows, we've discussed it loads of times, he's the second driver. Like, he knows it, we know it, the world knows it. And I think... Per, in a way, like I kind of agree with you in a bit, just in the sense that it was it was nice to see him battle a little bit. But I kind of thought that it was a bit silly of him because team orders are team orders, and like people, the, the reason that 
their idea, the reason they came up with that strategy was the fact they knew that he would come out behind Bottas, but he would be able to drive straight past him because that's team. That's like what happens in if their team. They, then that's something we talked about and we'll probably come on to it more that Red Bull don't have that that privilege, that option. Um, and that's part of what Mercedes are doing so well. So I think in a way it was like, yes, he didn't end up holding him up that much, but it was a bit problematic for him to fight back like that. And it should be something annoying as it is really that you do if your team model because it is a team sport and like i heard actually um i think it was today that in fact um lando had actually received team orders to let ricardo pass at one point because on this occasion he was quicker we saw the other week that it was the other way around um lando was a lot quicker and they said you know daniel let him pass and lando obviously went on to do really really well so they obviously returned this favor this week but we didn't hear a single Pete, we didn't hear a fuss and he didn't clearly battle for it. And I think that that's what McLaren have got really nicely at the moment. And they always have really, is they do work very well as a team. And I think that the fact we didn't even know that Lando had been given that order is kind of good, a good sign because it shows that that's just, they get on with it. And I think that Bottas, I get that he's annoyed, but I personally feel like he's not really doing himself any favours He's already, people are already saying, oh, you know, is he going to lose his seat halfway through the season, all that. Does it, does it give him any favours, really? Um, I I think it was, I see what you mean about trying to show his skill, but personally, I think that annoying the team and Toto isn't really the right way to go about it. He could have cost him vital seconds, like, obviously, we know he didn't, but that's not the point. They didn't know that at the time. Well, the question is, though, should a team be able to pit a driver? Compromise and, uh, and and compromise their their number two driver, especially if if you if Mercedes and they do say this say that their drivers are equal, then it should be an equal footing. Yeah. If if they put Hamilton onto new tires, then he's going to yeah. catch up by a second lap, which we saw he got he, well, mm-hmm. more than that in fact because degradation of everyone else's tires. But it isn't it, it makes it too easy, and uh, I, I I fall into the camp of. Hamilton is going to get past Bottas. Bottas is on old tyres. Bottas needs to pit for new tyres anyway. Yeah. So Bottas was given the instruction, don't hold Hamilton up too much. And I don't think he did. I think he played it really nicely. I think Bottas saw his own position, knew that he couldn't com- be compromised to Charles Leclerc, and went, well then, if Bottas, if, if Hamilton's going to get past me, he's going to do it properly. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lose a second or two seconds off my lap just because the team wants Hamilton to chase 23 seconds, 24 seconds ahead. Because if you if you, if you flip that around the other way, right, um, when when the Mercedes pitted Hamilton, we went, oh my goodness, can Hamilton catch up? That's, that's 22 yeah. seconds, right? So imagine Hamilton hadn't caught up. They've compromised Bottas, who's got fourth, and now they've got Hamilton, who's in second. Well... What, where does that leave them? What they actually did there was the perfect strategy. Bottas executed mm. it perfectly. He didn't compromise his own position to Charles Leclerc. He got the pit stop and got himself, you know, still in that third position. And mm. Hamilton got up to the front. So actually, I think Bottas didn't annoy the team. I think he was the one that actually thought about this properly. While we're talking about team orders, by the way, um, love the toto wolf talking to yes. um, race control thing Ooh. he was ready for that wasn't he that oh, was prepared i that graphic mm. <laughs> honestly i was so excited the whole world was like what like, is this what's happening yeah. and i agreed it was very exciting 
I, and it's just the fact as well that like they brought it in just in time for the Mazepin slander. Like, oh, <laughs> damn it, I mentioned him, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's so true and I love it. And um, I think that people, and we do as well, we want to see that graphic used. Oh, yeah. And not just the graphic, but hearing what's been said as well. Yeah. Yes, please. Yes, please. I want to hear what yeah. race control gets into their ear. Imagine having Toto Wolf and like Gunter mm. Steiner in your ear. <laughs> you know, um, mm. maybe. Yeah. So, um uh, actually, it's on on that because it was brought in for Mazepin. I, yeah. I watched the footage of Toto getting on the radio for for Mazepin to get out of the way, and uh, I must admit I don't agree with Toto on this one. Um, if, oh. if you go back and look at the mm. footage, Mazepin did nothing wrong. He uh, he, but Hamilton took ages to catch up on him, and then he just kind of kind of let him through. Um, I think that what's happened is Toto got on the on to the on to the stewards knowing that there's might be a history there of yeah, problems and was like fuck. make sure he doesn't get in our way and people took that to mean because we weren't watching it because mm. Mazapin's couple of minutes at the back there um oh he must be getting in the way of Hamilton so um i think we need to put down our pitchforks just a little bit here for the anti mazapin yeah. you got to wait for him to do Actually, something wrong. Well, let's but... talk about Perez in Portugal. Portugal oh, then. Yes. <laughs> Go on then, Liv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Raise the pitchfork back up. Um, the pitchfork is being raised. Um, just briefly, because hmm. obviously we've got plenty to talk about. And it does lead us quite nicely onto a point about Perez, I guess, if we wanted to go there um, in general the past few races. But um, back in Portugal, um, if we think about with Perez, he Perez was in the lead due to everyone else around him pitting uh, Hamilton and Max and Bottas etc and he was still on the same set of tyres pretty much three quarters of the way through the race uh, which left him out, out in front and he was probably passing Mazepin for a second time definitely for the first time but I'm pretty sure in that race there was double lapping um, <laughs> due to pit stops and stuff not necessarily two whole uh, laps behind but anyway he was passing Mazepin um, approaching him and then as they, they were approaching a corner and instead of moving out the way Mazepin decided to turn in to Perez and mm. Perez had to of course slam on the brakes and I'm pretty sure he caused a flat spot or a lock up or something but either way Perez needs to go in I guess for new tyres but that's not the point like his role was to stay out for as long as possible and you know Mazepin caused him to have to lock up um, break to you know take evasive action to avoid a crash um, which is just like out of order when you're the you know the back marker in the race you're absolutely stone dead last you get out of the way of other people um, and it just is like one of many 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 notes now of the drivers other drivers just absolutely hating on him like just the other week we also had he got in the way of Lance Stroll and Lance Stroll oh, gave yeah. him the middle finger and yeah. then he got in the way of Charles Leclerc and Charles Leclerc said this Mazepin will never change like it's genuinely mm. like a thing now that like they, gen- they and Norris all... as well was it yeah. first practice yeah. in Spain yeah. it's just on and on and on and so yeah that was poor against Perez but yes Tristan I see what you mean I don't know that it was a huge issue with Hamilton but it's just the fact that Toto even had to make that call that's quite <laughs> yeah. funny to be honest but yeah, yeah. You know, Mazepin, his reputation uh, precedes him exactly yeah I was going to say Mazepin uh, mm. as a fun thing about the Portuguese uh, he, yeah, the Portuguese Grand Prix. Yeah, two weeks ago, um, he was he. So he caught, he he ended up at the end of the race being a minute behind the next fastest Schumacher. Oh my god! So he was one <laughs> minute behind that. So he was in in total. He was two minutes behind Lewis Hamilton. 
That's impressive. Yeah. (laughs) But it just shows as well what it's not when people are, oh, it's the car, it's the car. Like, Mick Mick is handling that car very well. Like, for what, considering what it is, um, Mick is doing such a great job and it shows the difference between the talent if there's a minute between them by the end. Like, that's just... He's just got the same amount of experience as Mick, same car, and there's still such a such a difference. It's um, it's yeah, it's it's shows that Mick's doing doing well, but it also just shows how poorly um, Mikita is doing too. So Mick did nearly run over his uh, one of his <laughs> his pit crew though. No, this but weekend. did you see how his? Oh pit, yeah. Did you see how the guy gave him a nod to tell him he was all right though? It was yeah, cute. but if that was if mm. that was uh, another <laughs> yeah. house driver, mm. you would uh, mm. yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I would have been like, how dare he? No, but yeah, yeah. Night and day I reactions. <laughs> I just feel like. Like, yeah, but you just know that Mick wouldn't hurt a fly. <laughs> well, maybe. Well, but yeah, the, you know what I mean. But yeah, it's the unfortunately this the the Perez thing actually mm. in Portugal ended up having knock-on consequences, as you say, because then yeah. Perez, then Hamilton caught up with Perez, and uh, <laughs> how was it? Blue flags, blue flags, and they had to re- gently remind Hamilton. Yeah. That, no, no, no. You <laughs> it's are not racing. Albon. You are racing this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is in front yeah. of you. Um, but, um, yeah, that made me laugh so, so much. Yeah, it's it was definitely a weird race, uh, Portimao. Mm. Um, I think that it's not it's not one of my favorite tracks. As I say, it, it feels a bit on rails for me. Um, but that might just be because it plays well into the Mercedes hands and in, in any other season when, when Hamilton is no longer racing with us we might get very excited by the prospects of someone else uh, <laughs> taking up their reins and, and, and dominating there so yeah it was nice to see it was nice to see that we didn't have two boring races in, in one go and I think Perez's mm. performance there was, was quite good moving on though to Perez's performance in Spain mm. it did leave somewhat to be desired fifth place um, yeah, in a car that is second, uh, uh, yeah, which is well, has the speed to be second, really demonstrates actually the difference in pace between Verstappen and and Perez, and also highlights, I think, furthermore, further to uh, the argument, which is, is Hamilton might have the fastest car, but that doesn't mean anything. I, I often say that the the car is half the battle. You might be the fastest car, but if you're not the fastest driver in it, then you got no hope. I mean, what would happen if you put Mazepin in in the Mercedes, mm-hmm. or you'd have as a faster torpedo? Um, so, yeah. yeah, I think it's. I, I felt a bit for Perez because going back from last week. It would have been really nice for him to to get into that sort of second, uh, yeah, that second place or or third or fourth place. Um, I don't think anyone else thought he would get up into into, into pole position, but unfortunately he didn't, and that that really hindered Verstappen in in the later run. We unfortunately Bottas, as much as we might moan Bottas being a bit beige, he's a fantastic wingman, and currently Perez is sort of letting the side down a little bit he has a really fast car um yeah. but it's just yet again the red bull's problem of this car is designed for mr max verstappen and unless they get into the cloning business um, <laughs> sometime soon i think they're gonna have a couple of problems i have a, a question on that for you guys looking at the current grid the current drivers on the grid do you think there's anyone on that grid that could provide the support that red bull need in that second seat is there a single well, person in, in in my view it would be Daniel Ricciardo but he jumped ship didn't he yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah but yeah so but true. I suppose 
he's been struggling in the um, McLaren a little bit. So yeah. although uh, I I, I kind of have to eat my words because he did quite well in but yeah. in um in Spain, Spain. but yeah no I don't think anyone mm. could because it's just too lively. Um, to some extent, that's that's the problem. The way that Red Bull have set the car up makes it competitive to Mercedes, but it's a different kind of competitive. It, it what it is is an extreme car. You can get this incredible performance out of it if you know how to. But that mm. doesn't that doesn't translate very well to having a second driver that isn't as I don't want to say as talented, but I feel like that's the only way I can uh, any way I can describe mm. it is not as talented in that car. So you will have this weird position where you have four, first and fifth or first and fourth. Granted, yeah. it's better than when Al Albon was in it and it was first and ninth. The <laughs> mm. <A> best. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the the margin for error is just so small when you're the the second Red Bull driver. Not only because of sort of the history and the the curse that surrounds the car, but I mean, even in Portugal, you know, Perez got fourth. We we've said in multiple episodes, fourth is minimum, and you can't really say, oh, Perez had an awful race when he was fourth, but. He finished fourth, but he was never really in the race for for the top three, was he? So can you really define that one as a good race because he wasn't supplying his sort of wingman abilities or his sort of um, his Mercedes battling um, dynamical job there? And when you go over to Spain, yeah, granted, we we hear that he did have some uh, some health problems. He is, you know, apparently feeling rather dizzy, and he had uh, issues with his shoulder with one of his shoulders um, on Saturday. Because of that, he's then qualifying eighth, which means he's got a mountain to climb to even get up to the sort of um, treasured fourth spot, which is deemed a sort of a good race. And then when you consider it took him all the way, it, it took him to lap 11 to get up to sixth place because there's so many good drivers and cars around him. You know, it's it's so difficult really for Perez to hit the ground running and to, and to be a vast improvement on, uh, on Albon and to take the fight to that well-oiled Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton machine. And when we, we see him, you know, going down to fourth or fifth, which on paper aren't awful results, when you consider what he's up against, what Red Bull are up against and what his teammate is doing, it's making him look quite uh, below par. So it's it's difficult, really, because we're, we're, in my view, getting a, a quite a warped viewpoint of Sergio Perez he's doing well well enough he's you know sixth with 32 points eight points behind Charles Leclerc who's having an awesome season and not shy of Norris who's by everyone's estimations having a spectacular season but because he's in that car with that teammate fighting Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes it's almost like the this sort of the stakes are higher for him the 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 quality he has to drive every week every session is so much higher for Perez than somebody else, maybe. Yeah, and uh, I, I think looking ahead a little bit to Monaco, I think this is going to be a fascinating race to see because it, qualifying is going to be... All, all eyes will be on, on the qualifying to see what what the Red Bulls can do. And fingers crossed, really, mm. that Perez can prove himself there because it's going to be invaluable to the Red Bull team to get Perez up as high as possible during that qualifying because overtaking yeah. is just well I mean you could be 80 horsepower down and still win that race 
Yeah. It's, it is difficult. Yeah. And on that, just because it was a nice segue, um, Formula E raced at Monaco this weekend and um, it actually, everyone was going in. They actually raced the proper Grand Prix track, which they haven't always done before. And everyone was going, oh, it's going to be rubbish. It's not going to compare to F1. And it was actually one of the best Formula E races. People were absolutely loving it. And it was very competitive. <laughs> but yeah, the overtaking, as you say, is so difficult. There ended up being a few exciting overtakes, but I feel like with Monaco, it's either exciting overtakes or nothing. But then they're exciting because it's so tight and it's so risky. And the guy who won, Antonio Felix da Costa said, you know, they, they, I was making some of the biggest risks I've ever made in Formula E, but that the track encourages that yeah, so either it. yeah mm. it does yeah. so either it's going to be ridiculously exciting because people are going to be taking insane risks for the overtakes that are so difficult to get or not much is going to happen it's going to be a procession so as you say qualifying is absolutely everything um and in and in Formula E, that's usually qualifying can mix stuff up like no, not that. in Formula E, usually qualifying doesn't mean everything in the sense that the races can be very open and someone can come from back it'd be really exciting but in monaco you know antonio felix costa he he won and he did actually qualify on pole but so that shows that it is tough although as i said there was some big risks because there was various overtakes going on but in general yeah that's the case so it's gonna be really important for paris to pull it out of the bag and it, i feel like the way I would describe it when you think about the way that we we can be pretty certain going into a weekend that Hamilton and Bottas are going to put in some solid laps and you know getting in the top I feel like with Perez we know he can do it but I don't really fully trust that he'll always do it and do it when he needs to so Mm. I'm in the sort of attitude where yes Perez could get a good qualifying position but I don't feel overly confident that he always will if that makes sense so yeah we'll see well I don't know um, Verstappen has put in fantastic laps at Monaco before mm. um in fact I, I think he actually holds the uh the lap record there um in the, the 2018 car so I'm I'm fingers crossed he can get in, in the front simply because of a from a champion's perspective uh, a yeah but I mean Perez won't no well maybe I was not Perez. I know you were um oh. but <laughs> yeah sorry um <laughs> no I was like did I accidentally say Verstappen this no, whole no, time? <laughs> no, this is just me yeah, um no. so you know we know that Verstappen can get up there so we know the car might be able to get up there as yeah, well so that, that might be good for for Perez um and as I say, it will be, they're gonna they're gonna want him to get up as highly as uh, high in the order as possible. And don't forget, Liv, our, yes. your favourite driver, yes, Nikita Mazepin will be there to yeah. excite things Ooh, for you. Exactly, the flying to torpedo the track. I saw. Happen. I read a tweet earlier that said people in Monaco are currently fortifying their house in preparation for Nikita Mazepin to drive around yeah. it next week, which as funny as yes. it is, is like so true. <laughs> like it's gonna yeah. be so interesting to see and probably. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. The thing is, I wouldn't, like, to be fair to Nikita, I'm doing it again, I feel like I wouldn't be shocked if he was the only one. One of our drivers in Monaco got driven over by another car. <laughs> Not the driver, the car. got <laughs> The car got, like, reared, like, mounted by, <laughs> by another car because it's just so tight and so risky on the hairpin um, and many other places, but that was where it occurred. So... It will. It will be probably be him, but also I wouldn't be surprised if there were a couple of other bumps. But well, the that thing went is, I, I also I also see the Nikita thing, and but also Yuki Sonoda. Oh yes, let's he, discuss. He a lot of has had a couple of issues, um, mm. and mm. I think that my initial faith in Yuki Sonoda has um, is it waning? It's waned a little bit. Mm. I don't know what you think, Tom, but I've uh, I've yeah. removed him from my F one fantasy. If you would like to join 
the fantasy, you can use the link in the description. But Tom, mm. Yuki Sonoda, zero to hero, or is he? Uh, is he? Is he? Or is he actually just going to fall down? Well, I. I hate to say it, but I kind of feel that part of my my earlier warnings uh, from last season are kind of coming true insofar that I don't think Sonoda would be making these same sort of naive mistakes if we'd have had another season in F2 and won the championship there. Because looking at him now, you know, in Imola, 14th, um, Portugal, 15th, the DNF um, at the last race in Spain... And you've got to consider that Alpha Tauri are up against some stern competition for fifth place this season when it comes to constructors. You've got Alpine, which we'll get onto a bit later, um, consistently scoring points in the last three races. Uh, already got a five-point gap um, to Alpha Tauri and a sort of you know somewhat breaking away from them and Aston Martin. And in in many ways, we're in a scenario where. The Red Bull sort of syndrome of one driver doing great and the other one failing is sort of uh, transmitting itself over to the sister team of AlphaTauri. You've got Gasly doing a sterling job as always in that car and Sonoda just being, quite frankly, very naive and not up to scratch. I, I wouldn't say for any moment that Daniel Kvyat would be romping home with points consistently and, you know, taking it to, to the Ferraris and McLarens as as Gasly's been doing, but we are seeing that the sort of the shine from Sonoda is is coming off and we are starting to see how gruelling and how consistent drivers need to be to make it into Formula One and to be considered, you know, good drivers moving forwards. We we spoke about how good Alpha Tauri's car could be. Fine, sure, whatever. But if you've only got one driver who's scoring points compared to Alpine, with where both drivers are scoring points fairly consistently, that's going to hamper you in the constructors. So yeah, he's he, he was never in my my uh, fantasy team, but he's he's not being added right now. I'll, I'll say that much. Yeah, I I remember our discussions after preseason testing. I, and and many others it wasn't just us being like oh yeah. you know what could he be he could really be something extraordinary this year the pace he's showing god like the, the speed the instinct like he could be huge this year he could do really really well you know what if he beats pierre sort of thing and mm. unfortunately that's not what we've seen so far and it's worth pointing out as well that not only has he disappointed a little bit on track but he hasn't performed that well off track either when it comes to PR and just general <laughs> handling oneself you know it's it's unfortunately so much of the industry so much of the job is it's not just on track these days you need to be able to be you know a good person I don't know, that's, a, that's a very extreme he's a very he's not a bad person but you need to maintain the level of professionalism at all times you know we've seen many times that that's not that isn't done by many but with Yuki he's so new into the sport and um, to this series and he's still you know trying to prove to the likes of helmet marco that he should be there and then to go and openly criticize your team on television <laughs> it was yeah. a bit of an awkward moment and, yeah. and the thing is he knew it was wrong and the fact he had to go and release a statement i always think if, if you have to release some sort of words about something afterwards that's when you know like it was never should have been happened like you should think i they should sit there and think before i say this will i have to be released a statement about this later same with george mm. a few weeks back mm. poor behavior had to release a statement think about what you're saying and i know it is difficult it's frustrations but at the end of the day that you can't just slander your team because you know whether the car is different or not he so for people who missed it he 
said that he thought his car well, he had a worse car than Pierre and he was really angry about the fact that they hadn't given him the same car and things like that and it was really difficult and whether that's true or not like whatever whether he thinks that they're testing something different or well I, I we don't know and it's not our business whatever but he he shouldn't be saying that like personally slandering his team when he's still in a very precarious position he's not yeah. you know secure and i just it was so silly but it shows his youth and as you say tom his lack of experience maybe another year of in f2 may have fixed that slightly and he's he's very angry as well he just, this he's is the thing is. people laugh he swears people, exactly people laughed at his little swearing to start with but i'm not gonna lie it's quite a lot now <laughs> it's, it is <laughs> it's not funny to me anymore <laughs> no it's not and it it's it's very yappy and it annoys me He's he's a good driver, but he just needs to tone it down. He needs to get his head in the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. And as you say, Liv, um, not criticise the team so quickly. I mean, we we were discussing this at the time, and we on our on our group chats and whatnot, saying, it, "What's he doing? Why, why is he? Why you? If you put in a rubbish performance, you don't turn around and be like, well, it's all Mm-mm. the team's fault,' because then they point yeah. they point to the better driver." And they exactly. go, they go. Well, yeah. Gasly's making he, he it work, it. mate. Yeah. And <laughs> we know that the Alpha Tauri is a is pretty good car. It's nice and easy to drive. It seems to be, in some ways, actually nicer than their their sister team, the Red Bulls. So, yeah, yeah, I think I think he needs to look himself in the mirror a little bit and realize that actually, he's not got the world championship points to back up his bar and if you just like take a, a step back as well like we have to really understand this is his first season in formula one mm-hmm. and he's in a car that could score points C- compare that to someone like george russell for example who's been in formula one for what three four years three, he's hardly got a sniff uh at points aside from one or two occasions and and a drive in a mercedes yeah. uh, aside from the mercedes of course yes um but in a williams he's hardly had a sniff at points and then we've only seen him really sort of lose his head and see red on one occasion, and that was during a, a serious high-speed crash. But all it takes is a poor qualifying session from Yuki Tsunoda for him to start swearing and accuse the team of uh, showing bias to a senior driver that has had time at Red Bull. I mean, of, of course they're going to show preference to Pierre Gasly. He's, he's Pierre Gasly, and with respect, you're, you're Yuki Tsunoda. Like, you've... You've been in the sport for a few races and you're still incredibly young. So I think he needs to he needs to know his place for want of a better phrase, yeah. really. Um, one of them Because he doesn't know how good he's got it. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't... Again, it goes back really to the, the wider discussion we were having earlier. At the end of the day, yes, teams can say time and time again, we don't have a main driver. Blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, we have to accept, just like we have to accept so many annoying things about the sport, the fact that it's so money, like, based around money and blah 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 like one of those things you have to accept is unfortunately that teams prioritize drivers and it it and the reason they do that is because it's a team sport and in team sports you have to utilize the team in the best way to achieve results and so Mm. no one is angry about the fact that teams have to do that and so if you're if you're angry and and doubting and questioning it then like what are you doing like i get that it's frustrating but especially when you're when you're when you are quite new to it but just in general i i'm like going back to like what i said about bottas and team orders and stuff i just feel like it's obviously so difficult and we don't know the how it feels to be in their positions but in my opinion like whether you're whether you're bottas in the mercedes or you're yuki in the in the um, alpha tauri the team whether, whether they have a favorite or not are your your team, your your managers, and you drive for them. So, 
you know, suck up. <laughs> yeah, mm. exactly. <laughs> and that, yeah. I mean, we, you can tell from what we we weren't happy about it as well. Um, I did restrain from from tweeting tweeting about it because I felt <laughs> that that perhaps. It's not the best platform to Instead, to voice. we rant about it on yeah. a podcast. Well, it's much better. You can hear the tone and, and hear the jokes and whatever. Yeah. Jokes don't translate well into in, yeah. into Twitter. Apart from ours on the formula, on the official F1 in Review Twitter, oh, which oh, um, oh. Our jokes are beautifully curated and suitably toned oh, wonderfully. Man. If you do want to follow us, you can use the links in the description to find the official F1 in Review uh, uh, Twitters as well as all our individual ones as well. And yes, that's something that the admins of the F1 in Review Twitter accounts will have to consider uh, looking forward to next Thursday and indeed Saturday and Sunday because that is when the Monaco Grand Prix will be taking place. Um, Remember, there is of course no racing uh, tomorrow or Sunday, uh, but there will be some on the 20th of May all the way through to the 23rd. So... As I say, there'll be free practice one and two on Thursday. There'll be uh, more racing, indeed, qualifying and practice on Saturday. The race on Sunday. So you're left wondering to yourself, what are you to do on a Friday? Well, of course, you can listen to another episode of F1 in Review, where we'll be reviewing uh, a number of different elements that we couldn't squeeze in to this episode from Portugal and Spain, and also looking forwards to the race, which is coming up in a few days time so um until next time thank you very much for listening and we'll uh we'll see you then